right, well, Lord, we love you. We want to hear from you today. We want to encounter you, and I ask that, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, help us. We want, we want you. We want your life impacting our life. We want something that helps us to live the way you want us to live, Lord, and to think the way you want us to think. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures today. I felt like the Lord downloaded me something that uh, he wanted to talk about today. So I always try to really listen and listen for what the Lord is speaking. I don't like just speaking a, a message that's a good message, even if it's true. I want to hear what the heartbeat of God is for any particular moment. For these, you know, Jesus said the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And I believe we should have that word in the moment. If we're listening and in tune with the Holy Spirit, we should be speaking what he's speaking at the moment. Um, and to be honest with you, if the Lord don't come and help me, I'm, I'm in trouble. And that's always the case. You know, if God doesn't speak through me, I'm in trouble. If it's just Travis, I, you know, it's going to be pretty bad. <laughs> but we, we want to hear what God's saying, right? We want something that's going to impact our life that's not just going to be intellectual knowledge, but something that's actually spirit in life that's impacting our spirit. And you know when you're hearing an anointed word, you know it's, 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 in, it's feeding something on the inside of you, even if you don't even know what they're talking about. Jonathan Blanchard shared a word um, a few weeks ago and he had a lot of different points, and he was all over the place, to be honest with you. But there was something that was coming alive inside of me when he was talking. And so it doesn't even matter if it's like this perfectly, you hear people speak, and it's this perfectly laid out message, but it doesn't have the life of the Spirit on it. it you can speak truth, but if the Lord isn't breathing, and that's what we want, and uh, that's what all of us want. So hopefully, Lord, <laughs> help. All right, turn with, with me in your Bibles to Colossians. Uh, I want to talk about the Sabbath rest this morning. And I think this is so key for us understanding the Sabbath and, and what it really was about, what it is about, and how it's supposed to affect the way we live and the way we think. And I'm hopefully that this will be a, um, uh, something that can help us, and I believe it is, when was it? Friday? I had a, um, a guy, I have bug in a rug that spray my house. And um, the guy came in, and I had never met him before. It was a new guy. For some reason, you know, you're always having somebody new come in because they, they, they must have high turnover. I don't know. But uh, this guy came in. He's brand new. Or at least I would never met him before. And when he walks past me, the Lord just gives me this little thing for him. And I, you know, of course, I start the, the whole prayer mode. Lord, is that you? No, Lord, really, is this you? I'm not sure, God, is this for you? Are you really saying something? You know, because that's just the way I do. I, I keep asking the Lord, is this you? Because I don't want to say something that's not him. And I don't want to, I know you have to sometimes be a fool for Jesus. I know that's part of the price that we pay. But I don't want to be a fool unnecessarily. <laughs> So, Lord, is this you? And uh, so I end up sharing with him. I said, hey, man, I said, I don't know you. I've never met you before. I said, you know, I'm a Christian. I said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you. And I began to talk to him that, you know, I, that I saw that the Lord had so much grace for his life and that there was 
there's ways in which the enemy and even yourself don't give yourself the grace that God has for you. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He loves you so much. And perfection was accomplished in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And, it's, and I just began to share this general message about that's contrary to works. You know, this perfectionism, this works mentality that really is ingrained in all of us, but it's a result of the fall. And he was like, man, he's like... He's like, I'm a Christian too. He's like, I really needed to hear that today. And so it encouraged me because I was hearing right, but it encouraged this guy. It was really what he needed to hear. And then the next day, I started, I, it, I didn't really click, but I started, deal, I started dealing with all this feelings of, man, I'm not measuring up. Man, I'm selfish. I don't, you know, I'm not out. I'm, I just started getting hit with all these thoughts about, how I miss it. You know, I miss the mark. And I began to notice a little bit of depression coming in on me. And because not only was I missing it, but I, part of me didn't even care. But then the other part of me was beating myself up for it. It was weird. You know, it's like you're, you, you don't care enough to actually change, to work harder, but yet you do care enough to make yourself feel terrible and to feel disconnected from God. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Um, and I started thinking about that this morning. I'm like, you know, I'm so quick to release grace and God is to other people, but sometimes I don't give myself that same grace, you know? And I think we're, as people, a lot of times we like to give other people to grace, but we like to make sure that we're living under the law. And so what I want to talk to you today is about the Sabbath rest and actually what that was about and how it's supposed to impact the way we walk and the way we think. So if you turn over to Colossians 2, uh, Paul is talking and in uh, verse 15, he says, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them having triumph over them through him, through, through Jesus. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day. He's talking about things, that Paul's addressing things that the law required. You know, they had a law, how to eat. You know, the Sabbath, we understand the Sabbath. You know, every Saturday, every Sabbath, they had what was Shabbat. It was the day of rest where they were not allowed to do any work. And it had become such a um, issue that in Jesus' day, they're ready to, you know, stone Jesus over the fact that he heals somebody on the Sabbath. You know, they, were, they had this legalistic mentality that you can't do anything on the Sabbath. And, you know, we're not much different, I'll be honest with you. We don't, ours is a little different in the way it works out, but the same thought process is very similar. And in verse 16 when he's talking about all these, all these things, he says, let no one be a judge. Don't, don't be judged over the you know, food or drink or in respect to a festival or the new moon. They had new moon celebrations. It's all through the law, if you, if you know the, uh, the, the Levitical law. And then, and then very specifically, I want to point out, it said the Sabbath day. And then he goes on to say things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ, okay? The law was a shadow. You know, Jesus said that the law and the prophets prophesied until John 
Okay, so the law, the prophets, everything that was written, it was written as a prophecy to reveal a truth to us. Okay, so when we look at Sabbath days or anything in the law, it was a shadow of things to come. A shadow, it looks like the real object, but it's not. If you see a shadow, you remember Peter Pan? <laughs> he had a shadow, you know? But in real life, a shadow is a silhouette of the real. It's not, it's not the real, but because you see a shadow, you know there is a real, okay? And so Paul's making it clear that this law, the fact that it was a law was a prophecy, it was a shadow that pointed us to Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of what Jesus accomplished. So the Sabbath day was a, something that Jesus fulfilled, and I want to talk about how. Um, so this was a mere shadow of what is to come. The substance belongs to Christ. And we're going to keep reading. Uh, in verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is as if you were living in the world? Do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refers to things destined to perish with the use? He's talking about all these legalistic rules that the Jews had to do. They had to wash their hands before this, and they, they had all these things that were pictures. They're pictures. They're important pictures. We need to understand what they really meant. But if you're just living under a legalistic thing where you have to fulfill these things, you're missing the very purpose of these things. And in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men, these are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Keeping legalistic laws, and, when, and, and with us, you know, we're not, we're not Jews. You know, we weren't, we're, most of us weren't born under the Jewish law. So these things may not, but we have a law too. Things that we think that we should be doing, and when we don't, measure up perfectly, then we're condemned by the very law that we believe or the, or the thing that we believe. And so um, in, in this last verse, verse 23, he starts talking about self-made religion. Think about that a minute. Self-made religion. That's religion that's based on myself saving me. It's based on me bringing a sacrifice that will atone for my sin, right? It's self-made religion. He's talking about things where we have to do certain stuff in order to be right with God. And all of us, and I'm gonna, we're going to dig into this a little bit, but all of us have these traits inside our flesh. We have all this inside our flesh. It's self, you know, severe tr treatment of the body, um, self-abasement, you know, there, there are things that we do that sometimes are right, but if we do them in the wrong attitude or the wrong heart, it becomes law, 
and not life-giving spirit. The spirit gives life, but the law kills. You can do the right thing in a wrong spirit, and it produces death inside you. You realize that? Two people doing the exact same thing, one of them, they're abiding in life because they're, it's spirit-led. They're not doing it to earn something. But the other person, they're doing the same thing, but in their mind, they have to do this in order to, be, to have value, to be worthy, to be covered, to be forgiven. When you're doing things like that, you're now under the law, and we know that the law brings death because no man can fulfill the law. Only Jesus did that, right? All right, so let's look at Genesis 3. This is where all this started. This is the root of self-made religion. Religion sucks. <laughs> that offends you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> religion stinks. Religion kills. Religion. Self-made religion. And we all have a little bit of that in us. Jesus came to set us free from religion. Jesus came to set us free from religion. Religion is not just a something that's organized, you know, like like, you know, it's not just the concept of let's say Islam or Buddhism or Christianity. It it is a mentality that is inside of every single one of us. Let's turn over to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3 this is the fall. And Adam and Eve, they had, um, prior to this, they had been living in union with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They were in having great relationship with God. They weren't aware of their own issue. They weren't aware of themselves at all. And the reason I know that is because they were running around the garden naked and they didn't know it. They had no self-awareness. They had God awareness. They were focused on Him, His glory. They didn't see their own fault. They didn't see their own nakedness. It didn't happen until the fall. Verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he had said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves in loin coverings. It's very key. Um, their, their self-focused was the first thing that you notice when they eat the tree. Did y'all notice that in verse 7? They, they take from the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. God said, don't eat it. Eve added to it, don't touch it. God never said that. 
You remember when Jesus came and the fair, he talks about the Pharisees and how they always add, say things that the, God, that the law didn't even command? You know, he said, for your traditions of men that you teach and you, you know, like for instance, Corbin, you know, that was the thing where if you, anything that you do to help your father or mother uh, is supposed to be Corbin, it's supposed to be given unto God. That was a, something that the, 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 the leaders of their day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees added and Jesus said, by adding this, you've actually negated the very law that said to honor your father and mother. So they, they were always adding things. That's what a religious spirit does. It takes even what God wants, and it adds to it and makes it heavier. And that's what we do to ourselves all the time. So this isn't just something Eve did. This is something that we all do. So then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Okay, we've talked about this psalm, but they're walking around naked. They have no awareness of them, their own failure until they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was not the tree of evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they ate of the fruit that was able to open their eyes so that they saw good and evil, now they were judging everything based on whether it was good or evil. And what happens was that immediately brings the focus back to us. Am I doing this good? Am I doing this bad? Am I measuring up? Am I not measuring up? Everything becomes self-focused, self-awareness, before that, they had no clue whether they were doing good or bad. They didn't care. They were living in life. Life is that place where you're unaware of yourself at all, and you're aware of God like a child. Y'all have all seen Mateo run up here, or Micah May. They come up. She's looking for a daddy, you know. You know, most people, if they were to walk up here in all the eyes of everybody, there's a self-focus, there's a self-awareness. But little kids, they come up here, they don't even realize what they're doing. You know, Mateo's around here jumping around, dancing and having fun. You see those kids doing it. They don't even care what people are thinking because they're not focused on themselves at all. They are unaware, but something happens along the lines when that awakening of the fruit begins to happen in us and we become self-focused, self-aware. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden, you don't come up front and just get free. You don't just dance free because what will people think? That's the result of you thinking about yourself. You're being self-focused. God wants to free us from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to where we're no longer focused on ourselves at all. Paul said, I don't even judge myself interesting. I'm not really going down that road today, but it's tied in. So if you notice, the first thing that happened was they noticed their own nakedness. They became self-aware and then fear entered in. Immediately fear. For the first time in their existence, they felt fear. And because of, they looked at themselves and saw that they were not complete, they were uncovered, right? And what did they do? They went and they sewed fig leaves together. Fig leaves, of all things, fig leaves, to cover themselves. See, this is a picture of us and our attempt to somehow cover our own nakedness, our own weakness, by putting things on to cover us up so people don't see who we really are. You know, we see 
In some ways, we see who we really are. Some ways, some ways we don't see who we are at all. But we try to cover it up so that we put our best face forward, right? Why did Jesus curse the fig tree in Mark 11? You ever wonder about that? It says Jesus came and he saw that there was no fruit on the tree. And when he saw that it didn't have any fruit, he cursed it. Let me tell you, fig trees, our attempt to cover up our own nakedness will never bear fruit. And so Jesus cursed it. He cursed this thing so that it does, because it doesn't work. It produces death. What we do is we try to cover ourselves with our own works. But the Lord, he doesn't want us to do that. He curses it. You find that in, um, in Mark 11, uh, 17 through 19, and then further down in 23. Um, let's keep reading a little bit in this fall. We see that uh, after the fall, God shows up and he begins to address Adam and Eve and, and the serpent. And interesting enough, when he gets to Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you will eat of it, all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. From, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There's a lot to unpack in that. First thing you need to realize is that we were all taken from the dust of the earth. And cursed was the ground, right? Cursed was the ground. Your flesh is made up of that cursed ground now. And that's why, you know, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, he told them to go and subdue the earth. Subdue the earth. It was a picture about us beginning to deal with these thorns and thistles that rise up in our life. And all of us try to, there's a sense in which there was a physicality to the fact that they were now going to eat from toil. I mean, there was a true... But there was more, you know, we, you know to, to eat bread, you have to get out there and plow, and you know, there's work involved, and there's sweat that comes from that. There's a truth about that that's natural. But there's a spiritual truth in the way that w- the things that we consume now, in order to consume it, it takes, we, we live under this curse of effort, effort, sweat. I have to be good enough. I have to do more. Does that make sense? And God wants to, he's, that's the curse. But Jesus came to remove the curse so that we're not under that. Um, you see in Ezekiel, let me turn there, Ezekiel 44. In the law, in Leviticus and in Exodus, um, it talks about the priest and what they were wear, and they had special garments that were made of linen, okay? And the whole law is a prophecy, you need revelation from God to understand it. But he put these incredible mysteries in the law that when the, when the Spirit opens it up to you, it's like, I mean, bam, all of a sudden you start to see things. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He hid it. It's the glory of God to hide a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. There is some amazing truth. But why... Did God require these priests to wear linen? 
Why linen specifically? Well, Ezekiel uh, tells us. So if you turn over to Ezekiel 44, verse 17, um, well, if you back up to verse 16, it says, talking about the priests, the Levites, they shall enter my sanctuary, they shall come near to my table to minister to me and to keep my charge. It shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and wool shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. Linen turbans shall be on their heads, and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat. Okay? So we see, understanding what was written in Genesis, that the curse was the sweat. And then we see that priests weren't allowed to sweat. It starts to give us a picture of what the Lord is trying to say. He despises any attempt for us to do something in our own strength, by their own sweat, that he doesn't want that. We can't do it, one, but it becomes a law. When we have to do something in our own strength, it becomes a law, and it's something that God's not interested in, to the point that he told the priests they couldn't wear anything that would make them sweat, because that's the curse. That's Adam, right? What, is, what does it say in Malachi? Not by power, my might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not our strength that God's interested in. He wants to help us get free from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where we're trying to live up to a standard that no one could live up to but Jesus alone. He alone was perfect. He alone did it. All right, let's turn over to Hebrews. I think this is when it starts to really hit home. When you look at Hebrews 3... We'll start in, uh, I guess, around verse 18 of Hebrews 3. And the scripture says, in verse 18, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. And in in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore let us fear, while promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. All right, so the first thing I want to point out is in verse 3. You know, the, the rest, the God referred to the promised land as, 
as a place of rest. He was taking his children into a place of rest, okay? Houses you didn't build. I mean, everything about it was rest, 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 rest. There was also warfare, <laughs> interesting enough. But in verse 3, it says, For we, have, we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said. When, when you're in faith, he says they didn't enter because of unbelief. He said they heard a good word, but the word they heard didn't help them because they did not add faith to the hearing. They had to believe what was being said in order to, in order to enter the rest of God. Okay? If you're in faith, it will automatically bring peace and rest over you. You know how if you're not, how do you, how do you know if you're not in faith? True faith gets your eyes off of yourself and it puts it on Jesus. True faith brings us into rest. If what you're believing, really believing in your heart, not in your mind, not what you believe in your head, but what you believe in your heart, if it's truly faith that you believe in your heart, it will bring peace in your heart. Hmm. I'm no longer striving, trying to measure up. I'm no longer feeling guilt and shame and trying to do something to somehow take away this feeling that I feel where I don't, I'm not worthy. I've not done enough today. I hadn't read my Bible enough today. I hadn't fasted enough. I hadn't preached the gospel enough. I haven't been perfect in everything that I was supposed to do. So I'm feeling this stuff going on inside of me, and I'm wrestling trying to get free from it. You know what that is? You're not believing. Did Jesus say it was finished, or did he not? He hung on the cross with the sins of all the world hanging on him. Scripture says he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God through him. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished, right? It is finished. And so when we believe that, when we believe that it is finished, it should put a rest to all those doubts and fears and anxieties and second guessing. If that stuff's not at rest inside of you, it means you're not in faith. It means you're not really believing the gospel. Now we all, most of us as Christians, we believe it here. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. We believe that right here. But if there's a wrestling going on inside of you, that means you're not believing it here. Because when you believe, you enter his rest. Verse 3. You see that? Does that make sense? I know it's Sunday morning. I know it might, we might need to turn the, the heat down. <laughs> God wants to help us. He wants to get us thinking right. Verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. See, when you enter the rest, your, your striving to measure up stops. It stops. You stop becoming self-aware because your focus has went from, am I doing good enough? How, how am I looking today? Am I, have I done the stuff that I'm supposed to do? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me look inside there. Oh, it's all self-focused. But when I turn my focus to the Lamb of God and I see Him on the cross, and his blood dripped down. He shed his blood for me, and I put faith in him. And when he said it was finished, it is finished. My focus is on him. I'm not looking at me. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if I am lifted up, 
like the serpent in the, in the wilderness. He pointed to the story in the, chil- the children of Israel when they were all grumbling and complaining and all these serpents went out and they bit everybody. But Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it on a cross and he lifted up in the desert to a high position so that if anybody would turn and look at the, bron- the bronze snake on the cross, then they would be healed from those snake bites, the poison. You look at the bronze serpent and you're healed, you're not going to die. But if you don't, you die. It was a picture that we, and we have two things we live in. We live either in life or in death. You either live in life or you live in death. You either live in the law where I'm trying to measure up, and that's death. It's always going to produce death. There's nothing good in it. It was cursed. The fig trees were cursed. Those leaves don't cover us. If you know, when Adam and Eve, God came, when he saw their, their covering, he, he took them off. It says that he, that he provided skin. He made a covering. There was a sacrifice. Blood was shed to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. They had to take those things off, and we have to take them off and put on that covering, which is Christ's sacrifice, where our eyes stop looking here and we start looking there to what he did. And when we did, we get healed. And we begin to walk in life. But when we start going here, it produces death inside of us every single time. Does that make sense? John chapter 6 um, I love this verse. You know, we're, this mentality is a result of the fall. So you were born with it. It's in your flesh. It's the, it's the fallen nature of working, 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 working. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Remember the rich young ruler? What do I have to do? Well, in John chapter 6... Jesus is talking to the multitude, and Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Verse 27, this is very telling what I'm about to read. Actually, it's verse 28 that's very telling, but 27, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. So if there's something you can partake of, Jesus is saying, that will lead to eternal life. And that's him. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood. Now, he didn't want you to drink his, eat his literal flesh and drink his literal blood. He was saying, unless you consume me, when you're consuming me and not you, there's eternal life. For on him, the Father, God has set his seal. Therefore, they said to him, this is so telling, They're they're talking to Jesus, and they ask him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Their their, their whole focus is, what do I have to do? I got to do something. I got to do something. I can't just not do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. You know what I'm talking about, that thing. We got to do something. Well, they're saying it. What do I have to do? to work the works of God. They're all focused on the works. I got to measure up. I got to keep this law. And what did Jesus say? He gave them a work to do. 
Therefore they said to him, What shall we do that we, we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. He tells them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. It is much harder to believe than it is to do. Doing is easy because we control that. I got, conf- I got more confidence in what I see than what I don't see. It's easy to do. I got to go do something. You come into a problem, what happens? Oh, I got to go fix it. And you start turning. You start your wheels in your mind start turning. What do I got to do to fix all this stuff? I got a problem. I got to fix it. Right? Don't we do this? I got to fix this problem. God says, just relax. Trust me. I got it. I can't do that. That's hard. That's hard. Just trusting God? You're kidding me. I got to sit here and just trust that he's going to work it out? I would rather, let me just go do something. (laughs) It's harder to believe than it is to work. So don't think you're getting out easy. It's not easy believing. But it's better. It's better because your work will never do it. It'll never work. Your work will never work. But true faith works every time. It leads us into his rest, into his peace. True faith always leads us into rest and peace because we're focused on him and we believe. I believe. I'm not righteous on my own works. I'm righteous by having faith in the Son of God. That is the work that God requires of you. Believe on the Son. Believe on the Son. Get your eyes off of yourself. Lift your eyes up at the serpent on the cross that was raised up that healed the children of Israel. He said, just like the serpent was raised up, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up, that all men may come to him. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Saved. You're saved by faith in him and him alone. God wants us free from guilt, shame, unworthiness, all that stuff that we carry around trying to somehow, we got to fix this stuff in us. We got to fix this stuff in us. We got to fix this. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Those thoughts are, are, are an affront to the cross of the Lord Jesus. You are not worthy. None of us are worthy. He loves us. He loves you. And he died to set you free from the, from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that you can have life. Jesus is the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is religion. It's our attempt to see how we are based upon judging ourselves whether we're good or bad. And that always brings death. Always. And this result of us working in our own strength to bring forth fruit from the ground. You see this picture all throughout the scriptures. You see it with Cain and Abel. You know, God had, he, he care, God had uh, received Abel's sacrifice, but Cain's he didn't care for. And you're like, why did, why did God care about Abel's and not Cain's? With Cain, he brought forth fruit from the ground. 
He was trusting in that which he has worked. He plowed the ground. He, he's bringing forth that which he produced from the ground. And Abel brought a sacrifice. He brought blood. And see, all of us, in some ways, end up falling in trying to bring God a sacrifice of our own efforts. Isaiah thirty fifteen. In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But then he goes on to say, but you would have none of it. Isn't that interesting? We're guilty of that today. Every time we try to measure up to what God wants of us to be, to be right with God, when we try to be right with God based upon doing this and not doing that, making sure we're, we're checking the box, we're doing that very thing where we reject repentance and rest and quietness and salvation. Does that make sense? And God wants to get us free from that today. Now, this is something you're going to, like I said, I was dealing with this Saturday. <laughs> I understand this. I still deal with this. <laughs> it's, there's these subtle things that try to get our attention to refocus on, on ourselves, And we have to remind ourselves. Now, does that mean that we don't, we don't do certain things? No. No. But it, why are you doing it? I don't, if I'm doing anything that God requires of me, but I'm doing it in, in order to measure up and to somehow make myself right with God or atone for my sin, and my trust and confidence is now in that, then it's wrong. I love my neighbor not because I'm trying to measure up to what God wants of me. I'm not, doing, I'm not loving my neighbor anymore just, just so that I can be right with God. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. I'm not trying to keep his commandments to show that I love him. I fall in love with him, and I automatically keep his commandments. I'm not, it's the work of the Spirit. God will work in our lives, and he will get us cleaned up, but not by might, not by power, by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Spirit of God will work on you and deal with the stuff in your life that's not right. All you have to do is let him and, be, and let him. Just let him, work with him. Let him. But we don't get stuff right in order to be right. We're right by the blood of Jesus, and we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to be done in us that produces sanctification. But sanctification does not bring salvation. Sanctification is the result of salvation. Does that make sense? It's having the cart before the horse when we start trying to earn things, do things in order to be right. You got to you got to let that stuff go, and that's all thinking. So I say you can have two people doing the very same thing, but one of them's not doing it in order to be right with God. They're doing it because they are right with God. And then you got another person that's doing it, and all their confidence is that I got to do this so that I can be right with God. Well, that person's under law, and that thing's going to produce death in them, even though they're doing the very same thing that the person to the right of them might be doing, but they're doing it in the right spirit. I'm not doing this to earn something. I'm doing this because I have something. I've become a son of my father, so I do the works of my father, but I'm not doing it to be a son. I'm a son because I've been born again. I put faith in Christ Jesus, and my spirit has been born brand new. I'm a new creation. That thing's working it out in me. I'm no longer doing this to earn salvation. I'm doing it because I got it. <laughs> really big difference. All right. Does this make sense? Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Lord, help us get free from these works, from these 
trees, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to do this, Lord. We want to keep our eyes on the one who paid the price, the one who said it was finished. We want to enter into your rest, Lord, because you have done it all. We're not under a Sabbath day. You are our Sabbath rest. When we believe, we enter into a place of rest in you, and we're no longer working. That's why you can't work on the Sabbath, because it was contrary to the cross. It's our attempt to work on the day that God had tried to give us rest in Christ. Lord, we want to walk in that rest in you, Lord. Help us walk in the rest that's in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's a lot like healing, too. You know, we're, when we're believing God for our healing and we're not seeing it and we start trying to do things, I got to, it's going to be funny coming from me, but you got to preach, you got to speak to yourself. You got to talk to yourself. You're always, what do you got to do to get healing, you know? Well, you, there are things that we do. We do speak to ourselves. We do speak the word, what God says to us for healing, but we're not doing that in order to earn a healing. It's, that's meant to just help remind us and to declare what God's doing, but it has to be done in a spirit of peace and rest. If you really believe you're healed, it brings rest and peace over you. That thing of trying to work, we do that all the time, because I've, I've went through it, I know. I've tried to earn my healing before by doing all the right steps. I spoke the word over me, I stood, and when I don't see it, all of a sudden, it, I start trying, what I gotta do? I'm not doing something right. No, just relax. Believe. Just believe. If you're really believing, it's bringing rest and peace because you know you already got it.